It's time to become a member of Playvolution HQ and Exploration's Early Learning. There's a free option and three paid patron-level options. All come with free stuff and ongoing automatic training and merch discounts. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. That supports our work and you get premium stuff like early access to fresh podcast episodes. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash membership or click the link in this episode's description to learn more. All the cool listeners are doing it. On with the show. Jeff Johnson here, Samantha Balch over there. Aloha. Hi, Sam. How, how are you doing? What's up? Things are good. Um, I spent the weekend up at the North Shore of Oahu. So I spent five hours at a pool on Saturday. I didn't, I didn't think about anything. I was just under the pool umbrella, listening to podcasts, reading a book. Don't you have an ocean in Hawaii? Why yeah. are you at a pool? Why, why do you, why do you I, go to the pool? Because I had the option to be at a pool. Oh, yeah. Oh. I'm going to go to the pool too. Oh, okay. Great. I don't cool. discriminate against bodies of water. Um, I heard there's been a volcano erupting in the Hawaii. Yeah. Um, not on, not on my no, island. No, not in your island, island, but. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Be safe. Be safe. Yeah, it could it go... gets, here's a fun word um, for all of the listeners to learn. If it, like, if it's a, a big eruption and we get a lot of the, like, smoke and ash, the weather is voggy. It's volcano fog. It is oh. voggy. Like we have one of the classrooms has like a list of like weather terms that they, they will reference frequently. And one of them is voggy. And when I moved here, I was like, I don't know this word. I don't, I don't know what this is. And, yeah, then, and then the children taught me. They're like, oh, it's when it's the volcano. <laughs> that makes sense. Not a word we use a lot here in Iowa. Has been oh, voggy. Hasn't been voggy in Iowa for a long time, probably. Prehistoric times. <laughs> hey, so last episode we were talking about about the dash, and I mentioned uh, my my buddy Chris uh, when we got started. Uh, Chris was kind of a mentor with me. Chris Chris knew I was burning out at my center director job uh, like long before I did, and wow. um, and um, he gave me a lot of tools that led me to being a, a happier. Uh, more joyful person. Um, Thumbs up to Chris. But not this one. Um, <laughs> Sam, we're all going to die. Yeah, I think about I think about that constantly. Do, do you really? Oh, yeah. I have like massive existential dread all the time. Huh. Uh, we'll have Terrified to get into that episode. Crushing nothingness that is death. Yeah. So, I mean, listeners, we're all going to, I mean, not today. I'm not threatening you or anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and probably not all of us at the same time, but eventually we're going to, we're going to draw our last breath. And, and I got to think, I mean, this is something I talk about in presentations, but uh, with uh, the recent loss of uh, our early learning buddy, Dan Hodgins, he got me thinking about it more. We're all going to draw our last breath. And eventually there's going to be um, a, a headstone or an urn, a brass plate or a tweet or a Facebook post, maybe something in the early learning program. I hope pro- mine is like a lenticular photo. 
you know, like on one side, it looks like one thing. And on the other side, Oh yeah. 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 (laughs) Sam alive, Sam dead. Uh, (laughs) uh, You know, maybe it'll be, maybe it'll be a a little article in your, your program's newsletter that goes out the bottom of kids' backpacks. One of the, some of something like that, but it's, it's, it's going to have your name and it's going to have the year you were born and the year you died. And it's separated by that, that tiny little dash in between them. And that is the, the sum total of your life. It's, it's every, every action, every interaction, every reaction, every hug, every kiss, every tear, everything about you is summed up in that dash. And, and my experience is that a lot of people go through life just kind of going through the motions of their life. Yesterday is pretty much the same way as this, that day was last week. And tomorrow is kind of like today was, and we just get stuck in these ruts in our lives. And we don't do a lot to make the most of, of that dash that we have. And, and with the recent loss of Dan and, you know, the fact that I'm an old guy, it's something I, I think about more and more that that life is also more joyful when you put in some effort to make the most of the time you have and you you kind of venture out of your comfort zone it comes back to the the idea of doing the scary thing which we talk about a lot on the show and uh and those kind of things so so how's, how's your dash going sam how's my dash going i think in a lot of ways it's really great and sometimes i forget that You know, sometimes I think I fall into the trap of I need to be doing more. I need to be doing different things. Like, you know, I I think there's like this, this culture of like always being productive. Like if I'm not producing something, then I'm wasting time. Um, And that, you know, can really trap you in a cycle of not being worth anything or not being of value. And there is for me a lot of reminding myself that I, right, right now I am, you cannot see, this is an audio or medium. Um, I am wistfully staring off at the wall of the room I am in, which I have put a bunch of art that children have made but left behind or given to me is on this wall. And they there's a good chance a lot of these kids do not remember who I am. You know, they might not remember my face. They were relatively, a lot of them were relatively young. Um, But I do, and you know, sometimes I get like really bummed out about that. I'm like, oh God, they don't even, don't even know me. But then I remember that at least they had, however I made them feel, however this artwork made them feel in the moment, whatever sort of joy prompted them to say, uh, Auntie Sam, this is for you this is this, you take this home. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that makes me feel really good about the dash. That makes it, that makes it feel good. I mean, I really like a very long dash. Like re I want, I love if it just extended into the sunset, baby. Um, Cause again, I'm full of existential dread, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, I think, I think a lot of times it does propel me to be very authentically myself to inject with the children I am with a ton of humor a ton of love a ton of just 
sometimes just nonsense, you know, if they're being totally wacky and silly and telling me they want to make a Sam sandwich. Okay, that's the conversation we're going to have. Like, let's see where that goes. And then they're keeling over laughing at the lunch table. They won't remember it. I won't remember it. You know, I might not remember it next year, but gosh, wasn't that just so lovely? Like that, that just really made the day better. Speaking of, um, speaking of getting old actually and dying, I had a student the other day come up to me and tell me, Sam, I'm going to be you when I grow up. Oh. And I was like, oh, what's going to happen to me? She looks at me, you'll be a frog. Oh, well, that'll, I mean, that'll be great. That'll be great. I I mean, do I get to, do I get to visit you? No, no, you'll just be a frog somewhere. <laughs> Dead I, mean, I, mean, I mean, it depends on the type of frog and the the, the frog situation, but that could be a good gig. I, I was like, you know, could be worse. Okay, sure. I'll be a frog. You be me. We'll see how it plays out. So I, there's there's a lot here, and I mean, the idea of having that long dash is 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 a. I mean, it's a great dream, Sam. But you know what? Um, we all I get this no tiny control. little, we all get this tiny little dash. Yeah, um, but my, my buddy, Chris, that I was talking about, um, he was, uh, he was a great guy. He was a, a, he, he ran marathons. He was a power lifter. He was a bow hunter. He was a cycler. He was a black belt in uh, Taekwondo. He, um, he, he, he was just, I mean, his whole life was, was being in great shape. And then one day his, his wife came home from work and uh, she worked on an evening shift. She got home from work about 11 o'clock and he was usually laying in, in bed watching Nickelodeon, watching, uh, um, you know, Andy Griffith or whatever it was on Nickelodeon. And, and she called from the, uh, the kitchen, Chris, I'm home, whatever. And he doesn't answer, which that's not what's supposed to happen. And, and she walks into the bedroom and she stands at the bedroom doorway and, um, his, his hand was, they had a big old dog. The dog was sitting next to the bed. His hand was on the dog's head, but she could tell from the other side of the room that, that Chris's dash had come to an end. He was uh, 51 years old. Um, he, he just had a, for work, he just had a physical for his work insurance and they, they hadn't noticed anything and until they did the, the autopsy because 51 year old guy in great shape, not supposed to die. I mean, you know, just die watching Nickelodeon. And um, it turned out he had, there was this hereditary heart thing that nobody picked up on because he was in such a damn good shape that, that this thing, his, his physical fitness covered up this hereditary thing and, and he died. Dash came to an end like, like that. And, um, I got a call on a, on a Tuesday morning by, uh, one of our, one of our, uh, family childcare parents who, who, uh, was also in, in his Taekwondo classes and, and let me know what had happened. And, um, two days later, I'm giving a eulogy at his funeral. Now I mentioned in the last episode we did together when we were talking about, uh, feeding the good dog, that, that Chris was his day job was a school school custodian. Um, he, he coached national champion Taekwondo students. He, um, he had a funeral, the, the little plaque on the wall, uh, so that it, the room held 350 people and there must've been 500 in the room and more out in the hallway, uh, at, at his funeral because, because Chris had done such a good job 
making the most of his dash and and feeding his good dog that that he he radiated this out in the world and had this profound impact on all these people around him. And, and you talk, Sam, you mentioned a little bit ago about the, those kids that gave you those pictures that, that might not remember you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, that's a huge part of this work. Um, those kids move on. And sometimes you, you feel this emptiness right there in your, your chest is, when they that go. That's exactly where it is. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's like they, like they just reached in and they, they grabbed a hunk of your heart and took it, took it with them. Um, I used to fight against that because, I mean, it felt so silly to be an emotional pile of goo because some six-year-old started first grade. Um, but then I realized that that's, that's part of my dash is creating these emotional environments where that I feel that sense of loss when these little people move on, which is, which is kind of what it is, isn't it? That's that oh, yeah. they, they take a piece of you with them. It's, it's, it's in so many ways. It is grief. Yeah. And, you know, our, I think our, our, our American and English speaking, but especially American society doesn't make a lot of room for different types of grief. And this, this is a grief. It is, it is a loss. It is, you know, it's different, of course, to the loss of this incredible Chris, who I will argue had a dash three and a half miles long, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't the space between the years, but like the space between the years, you know, the amount of connections he made, the people that he cheered on, the people he supported, the, the things he did that he loved, the people who even only in passing saw him loving things and loving people with his whole spirit. Like we, I mean, gosh, it would be, it would be such, such an honor to be so lucky, you know, to know that person and to even be, that person and since we have these dashes and these this limited time um our our job becomes be becoming our version of of that person yeah maybe or not i don't know i think it does and i think i think recognizing that the dash is in itself is a static thing but also a journey like it represents that journey and you won't be the kind of teacher you want to be on day one. Or if you are, that's super cool. Please come on this podcast and tell us more about how you accomplish that. Um, but recognizing that, you know, you're, you're moving to a place of your own greatness and your own, your own spirit, whatever that looks like, however it is that you are, enacting these meaningful changes on the world and on the people you work with and on the people around you. Yeah. Yeah. I find myself looking for, for more, more flow moments. So, you know, flow, right. The idea of flow. For for, let's, let's say I had a friend who didn't. Uh, (laughs) Okay. So flow is this idea, a researcher, uh, Chicago university of Chicago, Mihail, and then his last name is like 42 consonants in a row. And I wish I could pronounce it. Uh, but he wrote a book called Flow and uh, Finding Flow. Flow is, is a longer book. It's, it's more into its research. And Finding Flow is, is, is shorter and more, much more accessible. But so the research he did, um, he, he, he worked with you know people out there living their lives, right? 
Mm-hmm. And so this would be machine people running drill presses and machine shops and neurosurgeons and everybody in between. And he did this research. It was basically um, some version of they would get a beeper and then a couple of times a day that beeper would go off and they'd have to write down what they were experiencing. And a lot of people described this thing and actually used the word flow in their descriptions of what they were doing, where, where they felt that they were, they were kind of lost in time. Uh, something that, that, you, you know, you, you find yourself in those moments where, where half an hour goes by because you're so deep, deep in something and you, 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 I mean, you lose track of time, oh, those yeah. kind of moments where, where you feel that you're, you're challenged but up to the challenge. Mm-hmm. And so this is what flow was. And, and they found it in everybody from, I mean, people working in machine shops to neurosurgeons, and they, they, they've replicated this research all over the world. Um, and, and so flow is this thing, the state of, of being in, in that moment where you're, you're, you're immersed in what you're doing. You lose track of time, you feel challenged, but, up, but, but, but up to the challenge. And so in my, my efforts to kind of get a little bit more out of my dash, I, I look for days where I have, have more time spent in, in flow. And I, again, it's something you need to, you need to build a habit of. But as, as you do that, I, I have found that I've, I've lost that um, existential dread that you, you mentioned a, a little bit ago because, because I'm, I'm working at being here now, which is part of it. But part of it is just you, you immerse yourself in something that, that brings you joy because you have to, for those slow moments, you have to have a certain amount of skill and appreciation for, for the thing that you're doing. Right. Um, any of that makes sense? Oh no, it makes it makes absolute perfect sense. Like as as you're talking, I, I can think of so many moments where I've been in definitely that state of flow. And it's, you know, which doesn't mean that, you know, everything is amazing in that exact moment, right? But it means that my my focus is so much on where I am and what I am doing mm-hmm. that everything is like it's, it's good. It's a good feeling. Like when I was doing my crochet, like I, I was challenged and I was excited about the challenge and I was up to the challenge and I realized, Oh God, it's three forty-five. I need to turn on zoom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and, and one thing about real play, not, not play like activities, but, but real play where children or whoever is playing is, is choosing their activity and creating the rules and, and building the world and, and, and all of that is, is that it creates moments for kids to get lost in, in that activity. And I think, I think if you, you stop and, and think about it um, as, as a listener to the show, you probably experience those moments have seen have seen those moments with children where they are just way into it yeah and, i'm, I'm thinking so, of a couple right now that just and, and stuck so, out, you know from this past week yeah tell me a story oh um so i have started i have a lot of children who are just interested in painting they they seem to enjoy it on the easel so i bought a bunch of cornstarch and i mixed it with some watercolor paint and food coloring and i brought it out to we have like a giant concrete slab um, in our play yard. And I brought it out one day and I, you know, just had a couple of different jars of various colors. And one kid who's very, 
He is an active engineering minded kid. He loves to build. He loves to be with his friends. He loves to share all sorts of things that he connects with. He is, I'm going to call him Adam. Um, Adam goes over and he says, can I have the red? I'm like, yeah, of course. It's, it's here for everybody. And he grabs it and he just starts painting these lines on the ground. And they're not like, they're not parallel, they're just lines. He's just painting them like these little dashes, mm-hmm. amusingly. Um, and he'll paint a couple and then he's just staring. And I'm watching him just stare. And then I'll paint a couple and he's staring. And he's doing, he's doing this for about five minutes. And again, like he's a really social kid. He's not with any of his friends right now. It's just him. There's some other people painting. He's not talking to them. He's not interested in, you know, two other boys are paint are making, I think they're making a train together and somebody else is writing some words and he's just with his red paint. And I'm hanging, I'm, I'm, you know, watching everybody and especially watching him. And at one point he says, sometimes it dries faster and sometimes it doesn't. And then he keeps going and he's going. And then he starts making his dashes a little bit longer and then he starts making him shorter and then he starts following it with his finger because it'll like start to dry from the, the um, more light end and then the like heavier end with more of the liquid will take longer. Mm-hmm. And he kind of starts to follow it because you can almost see where it's drying. And I mean, he was there for a good 30 minutes and I had never before seen him do something so independent for that long like he would play by himself periodically but never be without his buds for Mm -hmm. this long and to be so fascinated by it and when we left when the you know the tambourine starts ringing and that's when it's time for another class to come out so we're gonna get cleaned up he's like you'll bring this back tomorrow but not even really a question like you'll bring this back tomorrow i was like yeah of course yeah gotta go buy more cornstarch now shit like yeah of course I'll bring it. And I brought it back tomorrow. He's doing the exact same thing. And That's then he started, awesome. he started, sort of started curving the lines now, but watching him. But I, I took a couple pictures of just the art he had made because I thought it was so beautiful. It's just all of these little dashes, all of these little lines. And they kind of like radiate from where he was sitting. He was on his knees. So they kind of radiate out from where he was. I just thought it was so like to see him in that state and to see he was not worried about what his friends were doing. He was uh-huh. not worried about what anybody else was doing. He wasn't worried about what time it was. He wasn't worried about what was for lunch. He wasn't worried about what we were gonna do later that day. He was worried about how's it gonna dry? Yeah. Is it gonna be fast? Is it gonna be slow? And that was, he was it. just totally into it. I just I just finished uh, this uh, audio book about the Wright brothers and uh, there's, there's a section where they're they're talking they're they're on one of their one of their trips to Kitty Hawk with with one of their first uh, first attempts at uh, at a, what became an airplane and they spent they just spent ungodly amounts of time watching the birds uh, flying and swooping and 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 the locals were like what's with these these crazy <laughs> dudes they're communing uh, with the birds that, that came came out here from uh, from Ohio and they're just standing here watching watching the birds and what I mean what's up with this but that's what was going on there they were they were in these flow moments where they were they were totally totally submersed in their observations and and thought on what was going to eventually become flight 
that uh, they lost track of, of time and, and purpose and the things that they thought they should be working on. But because the, the fascination of these, these creatures they were trying to emulate with their, their flying machine uh, totally ate up their attention. So, so those moments, I mean, I, I, could, I, I would argue that uh, that's, a, that's a good use of your dash. Oh, yeah. I think, I think so. I think there's a, there's a quote I really like um, about turning your attention to the children's attention. Um, and I, I like that also for ourselves, like where, where is your attention during the day? What, what's getting you into those states of flow? What's really capturing your interest, you know, follow the interest of the children too, and what's capturing your interests. And what are you, what are you going to do about that? Like I found recently, my interest has really been captured in more intention in our outdoor environment. Cause I see it and I'm like, it functions to a point mm-hmm. and what more could be done? What more could we do? So I find myself in, like you described, these states of flow of looking up different outdoor environments. Okay, what what other sort of not tropical, but sort of tropical areas are doing for their outdoor play? What are we doing when there's no grass? What are we doing when there's too much grass? What are we doing when there's invasive species? How are we we're making weirdly shaped blocks of space work. What are we doing? And I, you know, I'll end up spending hours. You got a rabbit hole. Yeah, just on a rabbit hole, just looking and thinking and reflecting on it and wondering what could I do that would be similar to this? How could I serve the children through adjusting our outdoor space? What could I add to it? What could I take away from it? What could I reconfigure? What would it become for them if I did X, Y, Z thing. And while that's not, you know, directly in my job description, I don't think that time's wasted at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's preparatory for, for something that's going to come next. It's, it's, it's laying the groundwork is kind of what it is. Although we all end up spending inordinate, I mean, that tiny little day and you can, Sam, you can dream of that long dash. You're getting a tiny dash, um, and and we all we all have that same tiny dash, and we spend inordinate amount of time uh, wasting wasting the time um, doing stuff that doesn't lead us any place we want to go in life. Uh, binge watching Netflix, um, judging and feeling judged on social media, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I mean, I guess people can maybe find flow moments in that. Um, I guess there are those I will, people. I will argue. Okay. But when my mans and I are on the couch watching the Great British Baking Show, we are definitely not wasting our dash because we are having a great time watching baking, which I love to do. And he loves to look at. He thinks it's fascinating. Um, We're meeting all of these different, like meeting these people that are baking and doing what they love, right? With no promise of money or fame or glory afterwards. They're just here to bake. And to have and to talk to people and have a nice time doing it. I'm like, this is nice. Like, I don't hate, like, I'm not upset that we're using our time to watch this show. I'm not upset. I get that. It sparks joy. It's my a joy- love and I have been watching the Golden Girls. So uh that's a joyful show. Yeah, because Betty White, damn, she's hot. Um I'm sure. Yeah. What? I got a huge crush. I don't know what she looked like in the Golden Girls. I only know what she looks like now. And I agree that she is hot. Well, I mean, <laughs> she looks the same. I mean, that, but like 50 years, no, 30, 
20, I mean, yeah, a couple of decades younger. Being, so. Yeah, yeah. Be- no. Betty, uh, oh, Betty. Um, okay, so so that dash, people go out there and make the most of it. Um, yeah. Sam, tell me a moment, tell me, uh, tell me about your existential dread. Oh my God, are you my therapist now? <laughs> sure. Are we, or am I back in therapy? Um, I think a lot of people my age have the same sense of existential dread, which I, I try to work against actively. This is something that I have, I have no issue saying I've been to therapy and I am on antidepressants. Like that is, that is part of who I am. Um, partly for like some other separate medical diagnoses and then partly because I'm depressed. Um, and I think a lot of people my age will agree with me that we've grown up in a time of such rapid information all of the time and the access to, um, everything on your phone and your computer and just a nonstop barrage of information from your hell rectangle that, you know, it's sometimes it can feel like, what's the point? Cause everything's fucking terrible. And something I was actually talking about with a, with a dear friend of mine who I, I was up on the North shore with this weekend um, was the idea that, you know, the cynicism and the dread aren't doing it. They're not going to do anything. You know, it's a rocking chair. Like, yeah, it's something to do, but it doesn't move at all. Nothing happens that way. So instead of fretting about how resources are managed or who is being listened to and who isn't, what am I doing to actually live up to the idea that there is enough for everyone and that everyone deserves to live a safe, happy life. What, what am I doing about that? And for me, that is definitely one of the reasons why I got into early childhood is I want these children to know there's enough for you and everyone around you. And you are a perfect, complete human being who should not worry about where your next meal is going to come from or how you're going to pay for something. You should be able to live in a place that makes you feel good. And I want you to experience a place that makes you feel good right now at two, at three, at four. I want you to know that you are valuable. You need to be listened to and whatever your whims and your interests, like I'm going to figure out how to incorporate those into our day so that you understand the things that you like are important. And that we have, like, there's enough to go around and you can be like, you can share this for the rest of your life. You can share your attitudes and you can share the things that you have. So yeah, anybody else born in the 90s, anybody else who's a child of 9-11 like myself, comment um, on Playvolution HQ and let me know what you're upset about all the time. (laughs) Let me know what your climate disaster nightmares look like. Climate disaster nightmares. Oh, Sam. Yeah, dude, you guys spend more time on the internet listening to us very, very um, depressed millennials. But again, like I'm trying not to give into disaster politics. I'm, this is something that I, I talked about a lot in therapy. I'm trying not to, I'm trying not to become so caught up in, you know, what the media might say is an inevitability of destabilization and everything's terrible and try to remind myself there are incredible people doing incredible things 
And some of those things are massive and huge. And some of those things look like, you know, giving a child a good day to a point where they give you a painting and they want you to have it. And like, that's, you know, I view it, I like the paintings not like, how, do, how would I describe it? Like when, when, when children so young give me something that they made, like it, it is, it is, I don't know. I feel like it's a part of their soul almost like it, it just, because they're so often in those states of flow, like we talked about, mm-hmm. like it, it came from just one of the most brilliant, pure, sacred places that something could possibly come from. They're not want for anything from me. They want to share that feeling. They want to share themselves with me. And that is just immensely humbling and powerful. And gosh, I want them to know that they can do that all the time, right? With so many different people. And how lucky am I to be part of their tiny tiny little lives they're they're tiny little dashes a tiny little piece of their tiny little dash tiny little piece of their tiny little dash well sam that was a very thoughtful and emotionally raw response to a question that was kind of prying and that you could have totally said no i'm not gonna answer that it's important to talk about because i didn't talk about it a lot growing up right i didn't talk about my anxieties or my worries because again child of 9-11. So all I knew was big, bad, scary things happening and they're going to happen all the time. My father's also in the military. So I was very much like a part of it, a part of what was happening and what that might mean for me and like what that might mean for my family. And I chose, because I didn't know anything else was available. I just chose to keep it all in. Sure. Never talk about, like never talk about it. Oh, that's healthy. That's, that's. Oh yeah. Don't do that people. (laughs) I assume that's what you do. And that's how it goes. That's not what you do. You can, you can talk about these things. So I feel like it's always important to, if you have a moment to like, to go into it, if you're in a place where you feel comfortable that you can, I feel, you know, these days I feel more comfortable that I can go into it and be like, yeah, like I'm still freaked the hell out about lots of things, but I don't have to worry about it so much anymore because that's good. Yeah, I, I don't have to. The and anyway, uh, the existential made it this far in the episode. Everyone the else existential did. angst that they uh, they uh, pumped into my Ooh. head when I was I was your age was did global cooling, war? global cooling, and nuclear war. Uh, which which uh, and and oh the population bomb and now yeah. now uh, now we've got global warming and we don't have enough people on the planet earth, uh, populations are decreasing and some, some countries may not be able to function a couple hundred years because they won't have, uh, be able to replace their populations. So, I mean, the, the people that like us to worry and be scared of things are, are damn good at their jobs, I guess. Um, it'll all be okay, Sam. That's the hope. That's no, not, no not, matter that's how just, long the dash is. It's just, the way, okay. just the way it is. And then we'll die. My plan is to be composted. Oh, cool. Yeah. Like, just in general composted or like specifically you want to be a tree? I, I just would like Tasha to, you know, just a wood shredder and then, you know, spread oh. me someplace. I mean, sure. It's my plan. No, that, makes, that makes sense. 
Yeah. This has been the Child Care Bar and Grill podcast. Back soon with another episode. You'll find Sam at playvolutionhq.com slash Samantha-Balch for all her articles and episodes. You'll find me at just at playvolutionhq. You'll, like, you'll, you'll find Jeff there. lurking in a corner somewhere. Yeah, Look I'll behind be, you. I'll be lurking. I'll, I'll be the guy saying, hey, hey, you out there, you making the most of your dash? You feeding your good dog? That's what I'll be doing. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. You gotta make you gotta make new Playvolution HQ merch about the dash. Mm. Seems like a lot of work. <laughs>